Hello there, and welcome to a special holiday edition of Stories from a Bar. You like that? That's my sexy Christmas voice. We're about to put that jingle jangle in your dingle dangle. I like that. That's good. <laughs> that was creepy, uh, <laughs> even for me. It was a little awkward, but that's how we're going to cozy that's, up that's, by the fire. That's how we're going. We're right next to a fireplace. I'm your host, Chris Osborne. I'm hanging so out. Are. Yes. <laughs> hanging out with me for this episode is Anthony Rossi, uh, returning guest and host of Video Game Crosstalk, the podcast. Round two. Round two. Record. How are you doing on this fine day, I'm sir? I'm doing okay. Uh, the holidays are in full swing right now. They at, are in the uh, at the homestead, and actually, <laughs> it's kind you of a were funny story. Running a little late on me today. Yeah, oops. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking a little more than I had originally planned. And that's how the good stories start to come. I'm not out. complaining though. <laughs> it's really worked out for the best. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Excellent. So first off, thanks for hanging out with me again. Mm-hmm. Th- I'm referring to this. <laughs> As I'm taking another swig of beer. I'm referring to this as the great stories from a bar Christmas spectacular. That's right. It's a holiday edition. Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with it. And for this episode, we are hanging out at another one of my favorite places in Albany here, the Old English Pub right here, of course, as I just said, in Albany, New York. Beautiful. Ah, Crime-free downtown Albany, New York. This place is... Decked out with all kinds of ornaments and Christmas lights, and it's fantastic. They are everywhere. So it's really putting me in the spirit. All of the ceilings here are the exposed wood beams. Yes. And they have, I mean, there's no less than 100 ornaments in the <laughs> hanging from this ceiling And that alone. is a conservative estimate as we hang out upstairs. And here. we're in the upstairs, so there's a downstairs as well, which is a much larger uh, floor space. Yes. And but, uh, it is equally as dense. One of my favorite things about this place is it's so quaint and really nice is. and homey feeling. They put forth the effort. Everything is like dark wood finished with the exposed beams. And I'm going to take this opportunity to plug a previous episode. As <laughs> In my Ghost Stories episode, I talked about the Old English with Maeve McEnany Johnson. So if you're curious about the Old English, because it's technically supposed to be haunted, go ahead and check that out. But uh, so thanks to the old English for letting us hang out and record. Yes, thank and you. Drink thank some you so much. tasty British beers. Like, well, I'm not drinking a British <laughs> that, beer right now. I was going to say, that ain't a British beer. No. And I'm <laughs> so moving on. What are you drinking, Anthony? Uh, something that is definitely not British, unfortunately. But uh, we are midday, so I'm going easy and I'm just drinking a Guinness. I am drinking something I just learned about downstairs the Firestone Patrick Hazy IPA. Patrick Hazy. Patrick Hazy. Yes. <laughs> Although, as it was pointed out, the uh, the tap does not have a picture of Patrick Hazy on it. Or Which Patrick is Swayze, <laughs> as I should say. What, I'm a, like we say, Chris started early. I started early. <laughs> We're going to see how this goes. Yeah, I, su- I suggested printing out a Patrick Swayze picture and putting it on there, but no go. No go. No hey. go. But it is quite tasty. But they do have fantastic British beers here. I f- forgot what I started with, but it was <laughs> but it was good. So this is the Holiday Spectacular. We're actually recording this on the seventh night of Hanukkah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish friends and family out there. Merry Christmas. Christmas is coming up in a couple weeks. And to those that celebrate yeah. Christmas, of course. And enjoy the holidays for whichever holiday you choose to celebrate. Absolutely. And a happy Kwanzaa, I'll throw in there. Okay. I admittedly do not know a lot about Kwanzaa. I know it's to celebrate African heritage. And I know it wraps up with a great feast and gifts. So I can get <laughs> I can get behind I can that. get behind anything <laughs> with a feast and gifts. People get butt hurt when you say the wrong thing. They really do. <clears throat> or at least it seems. I have never really seen anyone get overly or vocally offended by not anything. In, not in person. I've seen it. I've worked in retail long enough 
It's okay. funny because they tell you to say happy holidays and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Honestly, it sounds it's easier to say. It really is. It's just what whatever you enjoy, whatever you celebrate. And from my personal experiences, which clearly if it's a personal experience, then it's representative of the entire populace at Absolutely. large. Absolutely. Is that as long as you are just wishing someone some well wishes, take that with gratitude, smile, Absolutely. and enjoy the camaraderie. camaraderie. Just... I've only had half a beer. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it. In There's this, not just one holiday going on. There's a whole bunch of them. There's plenty of just holidays enjoy that them all, all revolve just a around festive time. Yeah, the solstice. Be it's happy. all around the solstice. That's all there is to it. Don't be a jerk to people. That's what it comes down to. Solid life advice. Absolutely. I want to talk about Christmas music. Okay. Because I hate traditional. Well, I don't hate. Hate's a strong <laughs> word. Hate's a strong word. It's the holidays. It's. I'm not a big fan of traditional Christmas music because a lot of it's just way too sad and depressing. <laughs> but what I am a fan of is a lot of remakes. And <laughs> <laughs> remakes in general, there there's something special. I wholly enjoy remakes of many a song while appreciating the original. Conception. I can it. yeah, I can appreciate the original. That's Absolutely. fine because that obviously that's what I grew up on going to, mm-hmm. or just listening to the radio or going mm-hmm. to family holiday parties or things like that. So, do you enjoy the honest attempt at a recreation of a song, or do you more enjoy the ironic like I'm gonna create this song and put this wild twist on it? Little column A, a little column B. I, I dig it. <laughs> there have been a series of albums through the years of like. Punk Goes Pop. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's called Loud Rocks. It was on, under the Sony label. And it was a bunch of hard rock artists teaming up with other rap artists under their under their label. And some of them were just absolutely amazing. I think it was Incubus teamed up with Big Pun to do <laughs> I'm Not a Player. It was amazing, uh, and uh, System of a Down got in on the action. It okay. was great. I love hearing different versions of the Christmas songs, the original Christmas songs. I think one of the things that burnt me out on Christmas music is just the fact that it starts three months too early. Well, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> I like, avoid it thanks- until at least Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving is not Christmas, and I want to throw that out there. And people <laughs> treat it like it's Christmas round one. It's Christmas pregame, I suppose. It's, it's like pregaming before going out for the night. First off, you start seeing all the Christmas decorations way before Halloween. Oh, before Halloween. Before Halloween, you before can Halloween. find Christmas decorations easily. There was a time where I was working a second job. Uh, I hated it, but <laughs> got bills to pay. I know and, that. Yeah, me too. And I was getting to the point where I was ahead enough on my bills and paying enough of my bills off or enough of my debt off where I was be able to quit my second job at a particular retail chain. <laughs> and I told them that, you know, the, I know the I, retail I, chain, but we won't speak of it. We don't. Yeah. We don't need to uh, speak of it. It is a well-known retail chain and I'm getting to the point where I'm getting close. And I tell them that I just got a raise at my day job and I'm going to be able to drop this 
a second job. It's a great feeling when you can afford to drop a second job. Oh, it was fantastic. But it was just before the holidays. So rather than just giving them a two-week notice, I gave them like a three-month notice. Because like you work the math out. Very considerate. Because it's retail at a department store that has a toys and electronics department. Oh, God, I always used to fear working on Black Friday. Yeah, it was terrible. So I told them, like, here's what's going on. Here's the financial situation. It's all going to come around the same time. So either one of two things are going to happen. Either I pay off this one loan and I'm out of here, or I see a plastic Santa come off the truck. (laughs) One of the two. And it just so happened that it was October 2nd, I think, because it was the Wolf's Beer Garden Oktoberfest weekend where it was close enough to my cutoff date. (laughs) So So you were going to do some celebrating. If I was going to do some celebrating, and celebrating I did. And that week leading up to the Oktoberfest, Plastic Santa started coming off the truck. Uh, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. No. I am not dealing with this for Oktoberfest in Halloween time. I don't want to see a Santa. Right. Exactly. But then you get this really weird dichotomy going on where you have angels and reindeer and Santa across the aisle from demons and goblins and witches. Clarence Halloween costumes? Yes. (laughs) At the same. So you have uh, Satan in all his secular glory across from angels on high. Yes. And it's all in the same aisle. At discount prices. Of course, at discount prices. (laughs) But as far as Christmas music is concerned... Okay, let's get back to the yes. topic. Starts way too early, for one thing. That's yes. one of my beasts with traditional Christmas music. Like, I think at least one of the local stations starts playing it... It's got to be, like, the first or second day in November. And that's all they play until the new year. I am listening to that station currently. But we, but we are in December currently. Yeah, well, yes, we are. I did not listen to this station okay. prior to. But... Admittedly, there's some originals I still like. First off, I hate Felice Navidad now. <laughs> Used to enjoy it. Hate it now. Okay. But I do have a soft spot soft spot for Wham's <laughs> Last Christmas. And that would be an original, that, I might yes, add. The, that is I, an original. That's that is one not of the few times where I prefer the original. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy, Has anyone recreated it? A whole bunch of people. Really? Jimmy okay. Eat World does a great job, but Wham... <laughs> Some things you got to be the some, original. Some things for. have to be the original. Okay, and that's one of them. That that is one that I like to quote to make situations intentionally awkward. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just, ju- just, just a lot of George Michael quotes can do that. <laughs> Where whatever is happening, uh, if situation, if a conversation takes like an ironically aggressive tone, like. I can't believe you disagree with me on this completely pointless topic. I'll you start... reply with last Christmas I gave you my heart, though? Yes. <laughs> and the very next day, you gave it away. Because that's what this feels like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make things even more awkward and hysterical. You start responding to people in nothing but Christmas music quotes for the month of December. Yes. So someone comes over to your cube and says, uh, excuse me, because you, uh, you got a moment I can talk to? Hark the herald, angels sing. And then just turn to them and wait for them to speak in all awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
I don't know what Christmas music you're into. We, well, we did discuss one album in particular, which we'll get to in a bit. Okay, we're going to save that one. But one of the others that I just listened to recently, which I know I have not listened to in a couple of years, was the Dan Band's I Want to Rock You Hard This Christmas. <laughs> It's, yes, oh, I forgot about it for like a poetry. year or two, and but it's so fantastic when it plays on. If you're the talking stereo, Christmas music. This is a song I get. Holly and Evergreens come into blossom. They do, and, and the the turtle doves sing and the angels cry. I could not have put it in better <laughs> words. I mean, when you write a, when you have a line like. I want to fill your stocking with my candy cane of love. I feel like you are on to something. Indeed. <laughs> it, it, this is everything about the music video itself is fantastic. The song has such a pure intent. Like there's no there's no misunderstanding the intent of oh, the song. Oh, it's it's very pure. <laughs> if anything, it's pure. But uh <laughs> It's definitely pure. I'm your little drummer boy. <laughs> and, of course, the old Bad Religion Christmas album, which is an oxymoron in just the fact that it exists. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure this was an Onion article the first time I saw it several years back that Bad Religion puts out a Christmas album. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and for anyone, of course, that doesn't know, this is basically an atheist punk band at their roots. They're, yeah. I think Greg Gavin has received like lifetime achievement awards. Oh, he for has. Things. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, a brilliant. He's man. a brilliant person that believes in science and everything that goes along with that and behind it. Mm, I I've heard in one interview he described himself as a naturalist, not an atheist, because he he will believe in things that can be tested and proven and then retested and retested again. So he is very focused on you need to be able to prove it and reprove it. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. No, that's kind of hard it, to argue, you think? I yeah. mean, you want facts. Now, he's got a PhD in evolutionary biology. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. And it's funny just to hear that from the lead singer of a punk band. Yeah, right? But that's but how he does. That's how he rolls. And if you are a fan of punk music and you like to get a little Christmassy, when the season comes around, I highly suggest this album. It's fantastic. What is it, like a half hour long? That's the best part punk. about yeah. it. It was like 34 yeah, minutes it's long. it's punk. So you're... Yeah. I was listening to it as I put my notes together. Yeah. But it's going to be like more like, Hark, there old angels sing, glory to the new... It's fast, there's guitars, there's drums, there's bass. It's everything you want in punk. Yeah, the old And school. they make throw in the holiday feeling. Yeah, the uh, like the old... 90s researchers of punk or like in the old like classic punk songs where the the bpm is like you know 380 <laughs> and they, they can get through an entire song in a minute six <laughs> to be fair these are all at least two minutes oh so they took the time they did they took their time <laughs> in crafting these fantastic christmas christmas one more time one more time chris mickle I don't know wow, what I was trying to say. I was are... trying to make up a word there, and it did not go well. No, and it did not go well several times. No. <laughs> so you want to move on? Yeah, let's move okay. on. And of course, my other, one of my other favorite Christmas songs comes from the Dropkick Murphys, The Season's Upon Us. It's fantastic. Oh, I did not get a chance to check this oh, out. I am jerk. terrible. I'm a terrible podcast Well, you threw in a song, so let's talk about your song. The Dropkick okay. Murphys song is great. Okay. Most Dropkick Murphy stuff is fantastic. I'm a big fan. I've been able to see them live three times, I think. Caught them at a Warp Tour. Okay. And even that was an awesome experience for the right. half hour yeah. that it lasted. 
So what is this Straight No Chaser, the Christmas Cam Cam? Okay. Uh, Straight No Chaser is an acapella group. Okay. So it's acapella. But they created their own original (laughs) Christmas song, and it is called the Christmas Can Can. And they just blend together. It's a medley of various Christmas songs, but with different lyrics. Okay. So they make up this silly, comical Christmas song, all in the rhythm of several different medleys, including the Can Can. And it's all, if you've ever heard the joke Christmas songs where they were going to, what was it, the 12 Pains of Christmas? You remember like back in the 90s? Yep. Okay. So it's songs like that, that it's sung, it, they're parodies. Yeah. So it's a medley of Christmas parodies is what it is. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's very entertaining. Heard it on the radio station that plays the Christmas music uh, around the clock these times. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I was like, the Christmas what now? <laughs> so, and I just remembered it, and I thought, I need to throw this in the show notes just because. It's it's an experience. You did that, and I will check it out. Because yeah. I just cursed you out for not checking out the Dropkick Murphy song, and I did not listen to that at all. So and we're you even. Sent though. me a link and, a, and everything. But uh, so those are our recommendations for Christmas music as we burn through this holiday episode. But I want to talk about Christmas movies more importantly, mm. which begin and end with Die Hard. <laughs> there, Indeed, it does. It does. There's a hundred Christmas movies out, more than a hundred Christmas movies out there. I'm sure. Well, I mean, if you count all the Harmal. Hallmark Channel, air quotes, original. Well, no, they're originals. I can't put the air quotes on there. <laughs> original I'll put, garbage? I'll put the air quotes around movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's where the air quotes will go. But I die hard. Yes. Now, I did some preparation for my notes for this holiday episode. Most of it <laughs> revolved around just me watching Die Hard. <laughs> I'm going to let you take the lead on this and uh, sit back and relax. So, so the legitimacy it. of Die Hard as a Christmas movie, not only a Christmas movie, but the best Christmas movie. Yes. Watched it for the first time in years, two nights ago. And I, <laughs> I sat there with a notepad at hand, which I've never done before while watching a movie, just to prove the point that it's a Christmas movie. Oh, sure. It is. So I'm. <laughs> so what you got? Let's go down okay, your notes. Okay, we'll go through my notes here. First off, Die Hard for anyone that wants to argue takes. What do you think a Christmas movie needs to be? Let me put that out there. A Christmas movie first needs to take place during the season of Christmas. Die Hard takes place exclusively on Christmas Eve. Exclusively. Exclusively on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, Eve okay. and only Christmas Eve at a Christmas party. And there are Christmas decorations everywhere. There are all throughout their office. There is snow on the ground. It does start snowing at one point, I think. think. At the very end, after the building explodes, technically paper is raining down and it looks like (laughs) snow. I'm using that for my argument here. It doesn't always have to snow. Well, yeah, you know, it depends on the location. It does. Not everything has to be centered in New York City in the Northeast. It doesn't (laughs) necessarily. It doesn't snow in New York every day in the winter. No. In fact, the sun is out on this bright and shiny December Sunday. Yeah. So, okay, so it needs to take place during the Christmas season. We need to have some semblance of snow. Yep. We have the Christmas decorations. We have a party. There is we a party. We have a Christmas party. And we need to have the, the main characters be in love at the end. And that happens because it's <laughs> Bruce Willis basically trying to win back his wife. So a story of redemption. It is. Admittedly, a lot of the Christmas references... 
and scenery happen in the first 15 to 20 minutes or so of Die Hard. Mm -hmm. But there are a handful of references throughout it. <laughs> there is a ho-ho-ho. There is a ho-ho-ho. Written ho. in red. Written in red. <laughs> Does not matter that it was written in blood or that it was followed up with, hey, I have a machine gun now. There are occasional Christmas tunes throughout the movie. One guy is humming a Christmas song. Mm. Very, very holiday. Very uh, festive. It's very festive. <laughs> Most of the music you hear throughout the movie is Christmas related. When he gets, Bruce Campbell gets picked up, I said Bruce Campbell. <sighs> Got someone on your mind? I do. <laughs> Bruce Willis. I apologize. We need to work that as a joke somehow. Is this more Bruce Campbell or Bruce Willis? Bruce Campbell is a personal hero. Yeah, he is. But we are talking about Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yes. Okay, so... Bruce Willis gets picked up by a limousine, and they're playing a hip-hop song in the limo. <laughs> That's about Christmas. So first off, rap Christmas song. All right, setting the tone. Yeah, this is what we're working with. This here. is what okay. we're working with. He's carrying a giant teddy bear to give to his kids, mm -hmm. presumably for Christmas, because it's, once again, Christmas Eve. Because it is Christmas Eve, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so most of the music you hear... When the end credits roll, the song playing is Let It Snow. And there we have our snow, again. As paper rains down after part of the building has blown up. Paper being the fake snow. Fantastic. Exactly. And even you even have good triumphing over evil. Another good moral. Despite the fact that they had the best movie villain of Hans Gruber ever. Oh, Hans. <laughs> So so misguided, such a misguided yes, soul. So mis I would watch a movie just on Hans Gruber. <laughs> and I think the kicker is the last line of the movie is the limo driver. Bruce Willis gets in after he won back his wife. Yes, okay. Which is part of the happy ending. Ro romantic redemption. Yes. Exactly. The limo driver goes, if this is your idea of Christmas, I can't wait for New Year's. <laughs> Come on. That's poetry. It's blossoming. Poetry throughout that's grade a writing and poetry yes and i don't know what else you need in a christmas movie plus we, if can we count the limo driver as an elf we can <laughs> sure i mean they named the character argyle after an ugly sweater we'll go with ugly christmas sweater ugly sure. christmas sweater if you want to reach go for a stretch go for the reach okay yeah let's go for the reach <laughs> so die hard the ultimate christmas movie agreed, agreed. confirmed all right but the main topic of this pod, holiday podcast is Christmas and weird traditions from around the world. <laughs> All right. Let's get into this. Let's, let's get into this with the Christmas pickle. So, As I sip my Patrick Hazy. Yes. So a Christmas pickle. The old Christmas pickle. The old. And the I don't old. mean being in a tricky situation. Mm. I mean an ornament or possibly real pickle that you hide in your Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Apparently, in the 1880s, a Woolworths, Woolworth, Woolworths, Woolworth, I should be able to pronounce. It's hard to pronounce after a few beers. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> so, Woolworth, a department store, started selling glass ornaments imported from Germany, and some were in the shape of various fruits and vegetables. Fruit. <laughs> in various fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. There we go. Yes. Including pickles. You know, I can imagine... Someone got the idea, 
we need to just keep pumping out more and more Christmas ornaments. I mean, I was at the mall earlier today, and you have your little pop-up kiosks all over the place. Every store has their version of Christmas ornaments, and you gotta keep coming out with new ones every year to get people to keep buying new crap every year. Exactly, and I assume so. one of the ways they convinced people that it was a hot commodity or to sell it was was to convince people it was based on an old German tradition that the pickle was the last ornament hung on a Christmas tree or something like that. And Germany knows nothing of this tradition. This was basically <laughs> that is the created. Funniest part. It's the best part. And it's basically created by an ornament salesman at a defunct department store in the 1880s. Hey, stupid Americans, I have a tradition that will totally bring you closer to your ancestry. It's worked. Buy as this glass As pickle. we were hanging out downstairs with all the ornaments hanging from the ceiling, they had Christmas pickles hanging with the ornaments. Okay, I'm checking the roof right now, or the ceiling right now. I and we're upstairs, they're larger ornaments. But I downstairs. do not see any pickles in the upstairs, but in the downstairs by the there bar, was, there, there was Christmas pickles. numerous Christmas pickles. The tradition itself... <laughs> Actually, unknown in Germany, but it was... Hold on, let me check my notes. On Christmas morning, the first child to find the pickle on the tree would receive an extra present from Santa or would have a good, would have a year of good fortune. You know, that is actually kind of cute. It is. They made up a good story for it. That is a great story for it. And as a... I still consider myself a relatively new father. You uh, do have a two-year-old. Yes, he is two. Uh, Master Jacob. Master as Jacob. Because what Master Jacob demands, Master Jacob shall receive. So, so saith he. <laughs> <sighs> but I can see that being a tradition, especially in like a larger family. I like or, the message behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You hide this. It's funny. <laughs> this pickle. The old Christmas pickle. You know, the, the salesman probably knew like, there's no I, way in hell I am going to be able to sell. I really feel like you need to specify it's an ornament. Yes. <laughs> but I can just like see this guy with like crates upon crates of these glass ornaments of various vegetables because if anything it's a brilliant sure. marketing ploy. Oh yeah. It's like, you know what? I know how I'm going to get be able to move these stupid pickles. Tell them that it's a tradition in Germany. Huh? 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 And then the the you hide it the night before, and whoever finds it gets an extra present. If there's anything Americans love, it's a foreign tradition. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's funny, as I was looking up more stuff about the Christmas pickle, because I had heard about it before. Okay. I had an idea of what it was about. There's other actual origin stories for it. One, okay. Yeah. Let's get into these. Yeah, let's talk about this for a second, because they were actually pretty interesting. One suggested origin was... One suggested origin has been that the tradition came from Camp Sumter during the Civil War. So, Civil War. This old tradition. Okay. The Bavarian, Bavarian-born Private John C. Lauer... Lower, however you want to pronounce his last name, had established in had established in the 103rd Pennsylvania Infantry, and I'm reading this basically verbatim because <laughs> it's the easiest way to do it. Right. But was captured in 1864 and taken to a prison camp. As the story is told, on Christmas Eve he begged the guard for a pickle while starving. The guard provided the pickle, which Lauer later credited for saving his life. After returning to his family, he began the tradition of hiding a pickle in their Christmas tree each year. <laughs> nice. That's pretty interesting when you think about it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how... It's amazing how some of these origins get started. Origin stories are fantastic, especially when you start digging deeper and deeper into either like the truth of the matter or various possibilities, particularly when no one really has a hard 
like verifiable fact. No, there's really no way to verify that. My money's certainly on an ornament salesman at Woolworths. I would totally believe that. <laughs> Be, just because I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm there's no doubt in my mind that people well people today just believe the first thing that they're told. Oh, this when is the it, origin of the story. Oh, okay. But so many people believe just what they're told. Right. But my favorite apparently in Barron Springs, Michigan, it's known as the Christmas pickle capital of the world. So people take this seriously. That is They it, even had they used to have parades. I don't know if they still do. That has got to be an amazing parade. A pickle parade? I'm not even kidding. I, I kind of want to see this. I, I'll have to look it up more. Okay, well, after this recording, we're going to have to have a joint effort. We need to find YouTube videos of a pickle parade. A pickle parade. I suspect it's YouTube. just people dressed as a pickle wearing a Santa Remember, hat. YouTube to look this up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one, of, one of my other favorite traditions that have has come along that we've recently learned about in the last year or two, thanks to a co-worker, is the Yule Goat. The Yule Goat's amazing. I suggest for any of you that do not know anything on the Yule Goat to go ahead <laughs> and look this up because it's fantastic. It's a Scandinavian, mostly Northern European tradition. It's a giant Yule Goat <laughs> and symbol and tradition as I just said, in Scandinavia and Northern Europe. It's like, I, I wrote it down. How big is it? It's like 43 feet tall. Yeah, I was going to say it's huge, but we need an actual number. And 23 feet long. Okay. It's, so and this, it's, it's a little different each year, but these are the specific numbers I found. It's this giant goat just made out of straw in Sweden. <laughs> and it's become a tradition to put this up and based on the Advent calendar, whenever Advent starts each year. Mm-hmm. And apparent unofficial that's the tradition part is to put right. up this giant straw goat right for the, the, the goat itself is the tradition the goat itself is a tradition however the, however the unofficial tradition is trying to burn it down <laughs> because people because people are great and they love a ruckus no matter what time of year a little christmas anarchy a little christmas anarchy <laughs> holiday anarchy whatever you want to call it so We'll talk a little bit about the... Let me set up the origins. Because I looked this up, and it's it's pretty interesting. The Yule Goat's origins go back to ancient pagan festivals. Well, a popular theory is that the celebration of the goat, Mm. Yule Goat, is connected to worship of the Norse god Thor, which I'm a big Marvel fan, and I love the Thor movies. (laughs) And from what I understand (laughs) of actual Norse mythos is that Thor is usually described as being, quote, hopping mad. Hopping? (laughs) Bringing it back to our beers. Hey! Hey. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Thor, who rode the sky in a chariot drawn by two goats. Okay. All right. The Yule Goat in Nordic countries today is best known as a Christmas ornament, which we have Christmas ornaments that were handed out at work by this said co-worker. Yeah, they're quite nice. I haven't hanged it up on my desk Little straw goats. I keep it up all year round because it Mm. deserves to be up all year round. (laughs) Because it's a little straw goat, yeah. It's a little straw goat. Why wouldn't I have it up all year round? This modern version of the Yule Goat figure is a decorative goat made out of straw and bound by large versions of this ornament are frequently... I think I skipped a line there. Yeah, there's a little something going on. Yeah. <laughs> are bound with red ribbons, a popular Christmas ornament found around found around or on the Christmas tree. Large versions of the ornament frequently frequently erected in towns and cities around Christmas time. A tradition started by a town in Sweden called 
Gavli. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. G A V L E. Yeah, I was gonna say good luck trying to pronounce certain but Scandinavian exactly. words. Exactly. Yeah. But all that beside, it started building this giant Yule goat in about 1966, <laughs> and some of the ways it's been burnt down have been fantastic. Let's, let's read them off. <laughs> I I only took notes on some of the highlights. So yeah, so these are the highlights. These aren't you know every year, but these these are the the, the top methods. So some of the funniest parts have been about burning the goat down. Right. With a record, basically, of it being burnt down in the same day. Because, as we said, this little Christmas <laughs> anarchy for yeah. the season. It, I did read it takes about two days for them to actually put the goat together. And it, from what I was reading, it seems like it, it's varied in size a little bit from mm. year to year, but it's always been certainly over 40 feet tall and okay. 23 feet long or so. But as of December of last year, 2017... I read this, and this is actually amazing. The goat has been damaged, burnt down 37 times <laughs> since 1966. That's 51 years. Okay. So we're... The majority of that time it gets burnt down. Okay, yeah. There's, so there's years where it's made it. Yeah. yeah. So, but some of my favorites. In 1970, it got burnt down six hours after construction <laughs> by two drunk teenagers. <sighs> Kids these days. And you can imagine security has increased over time. But in 1973, in 1973, it was stolen. I don't know how you steal a f- over a 40-foot-tall Yo, straw goat. You can't exactly, like, tuck that under your coat. No, you can't. You can't really just kind of, you know, team effort, you know, smuggle it down the street. It's 43 feet tall. Exactly. What do you, how do you, what do you do with it when you steal it? Yeah, and you can't, like, you know, stash it under your bed or put it you know, in the we'll back just closet. just hide it in the backyard. <laughs> it's bigger than the house. All right, so cool. It was stolen. Exactly. And in 1985, it was finally recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records for the first time for being basically the tallest and biggest World's largest candle. I mean, yeah. (laughs) And then it still burned down after it was recognized that year. Ah, okay. And then if you skip ahead to 2000, apparently that was the first time someone took it and threw it in the river. (laughs) Why? Because you can because well, it's there. I feel like if you're going to throw it in the river, you need to try to ride it down the river. That, if that did not happen, opportunity missed. Opportunity missed. If you're going to steal that, you'll go and put it in the river. You ride it the hell as far as you can. <laughs> if you are transporting it in any way, shape, or form after it's been Someone needs to be riding someone it. Someone needs to be doing a live stream, a FaceTime, Absolutely. Facebook Live, something. Uh, we should check YouTube and just put in Yule Goat. I did not do that, and now I wish I had before we recorded we'll this. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. That's what show notes are for. Absolutely. Right. So in 2005, it was burnt down by unknown vandals. But my favorite part of that is that they were report- two people reportedly dressed as Santa and a gingerbread man. And, they were, and they're festive. So and they were festive. using a flaming arrow with a bow. It's <laughs> As one does to I don't hunt know. a giant straw and, goat. And obviously, over time, it gets harder to get up close to it because of security and things. So they had to reach to extreme. So you got to use ranged attacks. I mean, <laughs> ranged obviously. attacks. In 2009, for added security, the goat had two online webcams. So they started monitoring, monitoring this thing. And, of course, they were hacked immediately. And it was burnt down again. I, I wonder if the organizers and the constructors 
take this into account and kind of like chuckle to themselves. Like we're going to spend all this time designing, creating, gathering materials, organizing construction, and we know this is going to get burned down. I just can't wait to see it happen. And like I mentioned, it takes two days to put this thing together. Yeah. And it could take a matter of just a couple hours to immediately burn it down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does it? I mean, it's straw. It so, is. So, of course, flaming arrows would just bring that down immediately. They even tried. And if you're thinking, why didn't they try flame retardant it? They did. <laughs> and it wasn't good enough. They, the anarchy will not be contained. No, it's still burned down. So, obvious, apparently, there's not a flame retardant strong enough for a 40-foot tall straw goat. <laughs> and in 2016, it was destroyed by an anarchist equipped with petrol on, it, <laughs> on its inauguration day again, just hours after its 50th birthday party. Oh, my God. Can you imagine celebrating a 50th anniversary and then just watching it go up in flames? By an anarchist. Like I said, is some Christmas anarchy going down. There, there was one point where they started building two, two of them. Okay. And the 50th anniversary was one of those mm-hmm. where they had two. So it was replaced by the replica built by local high school students. That was later hit by a car. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and that was 2016. Oh, man. <laughs> so it's not just fire bringing this thing down. But the gods have frowned upon they it. They have. And now it's circulated by like two different fences. Yeah. Cameras, guards. Or the madness of it's Thor. It's in a just high populated area. Mm. And if you're wondering, it did make it through last year, and as far as I know, it's still up this year. Okay. Again, with the double fence cameras and guards. <laughs> so that was the Yule Goat. Yes. Let's talk about one of the. One of what could be one of my other favorite traditions, the KFC holiday meal. This. This was. Is just. Bizarre. It is. Well, bizarre in a great way, yes. if you ask me. Apparently in Japan, Christmas isn't really... Well, obviously Christmas isn't really celebrated over there, but Kentucky Fried Chicken is. <laughs> <laughs> so, eating KFC on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day over there is apparently a big tradition. Instead of having a homemade Christmas dinner like we're used to, it's a tradition in Japan to have KFC to the point where KFC suggests you order your food two months in advance. Jeez. Oh, the Colonel's special recipe fried chicken is so popular, the chain <laughs> not the chain asks customers to order it in advance, but lines will back out, out the door, and around the block. Mm-hmm. And this apparently has been going on since like the 70s. Like, I just I, I don't... Why? Just for visitors who wanted a dinner resembling, resembling a traditional holiday meal. Which, if that's what foreigners think about us, they're probably not that far off. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, hold on a second. I'm trying to look something up because I, have, I was having a conversation with another co-worker. Actually, he was on the podcast. It was uh, Mike Townsend. Good old Mike. Mike. and We he have has... a listener suggestion from him later on. Oh, oh, oh dear God. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> uh, let me see. Because there's a term for like, oh no, wait, that's just the person's online handle. There's a term for like comically misrepresenting another culture, and I think that's what this is. Because I, I can eat, the way that Americans have screwed up every other culture 
into what we think is common. For instance, St. Patrick's Day. Yep. <laughs> Start with that. Just basically wake up, drink until you fall asleep. Well, in, in America, it's... For America? <laughs> for, for America, yeah. It's uh, drink until you, you know, cause riots in the streets. And, yeah. yeah. Not that there's there, anything wrong with that. <laughs> let, let me put that out there. <laughs> but there's a term for like comically misrepresenting or misunderstanding a particular culture, and I can't think of the term right now. But like, I can't imagine any other reason why someone would want to, why an entire culture would go to KFC <laughs> and just gorge on fried chicken. I do not need it's an amazing. excuse. To gorge on fried chicken. No. I'll just put that out And there. I'll pass a KFC on my way home. and <laughs> I'll think about it, but I have plan- plans for dinner. <laughs> my arteries can't take that kind of abuse anymore. <laughs> no, I'm getting older. And, I mean, I, I have nothing against it. It's just no, for an entire all. culture, it's entire funny. society to go, you, you on Christmas, Americans go out and get KFC. Like, what? <laughs> That's, what percentage of their sales happen on that day? I don't know. I, sh- I didn't have any hard numbers. But just reading about it makes you sound like it's some kind of a unimaginable cra- <laughs> craze. Like, I love fried chicken as, the next, as, the, as much as the next person from a trailer park. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, that's we, we don't not make... really a Christmas tradition. <laughs> but for Japan, it is. Okay, all right, well... But moving so on, be so be it. Whatever makes you happy. It, indeed, and apparently, yes. in this case, and it's trans fats. <laughs> Deep fried, golden, goodness, eleven herbs and spices. That's all it takes delicious. to make someone happy. Apparently, <laughs> I'm going to keep rambling on. Go, go ahead. One of my other favorite worldly traditions I came across, and I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but this is in Spain. So you've heard of Elf on a Shelf. Everyone know, in America, most of the people in America know Elf on the Shelf. A little and, Elf you put around. Yeah, it's and, annoying as shit. Yeah, I've actively avoided that, and I don't know if that's going to yeah, be a absolutely. tradition in our house. Probably no. not. For your, that's a good way to raise your kid. Yes. Not making Elf on a Shelf a tradition. I don't have a kid, but <laughs> you just agree. throwing parent and advice out there for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> All right. But Elf on a Shelf in Spain, apparently they have. And I really hope I'm pronouncing this right. L. Kaganen, I can't pronounce this. L. Swing your laptop over Kaganer. here. Kaganer. C A G A N E R. Hold on. <laughs> right there. Intoxicated fool. Moving the, move the microphone. <laughs> well, it's looking like Kaganer. Kaganer. Let's go with that. Okay. I'm probably butchering it myself. After I spelled I just... it out. So okay. anybody that wants to try and look it up, they can look it up there. This is, this is one of my favorite traditions I stumbled across. Instead of Elf on a Shelf, they have this L. Kaganer. Okay. The most important holiday figurine in Spain, even if it is a little obscene. A little. A little. Just Just a little. Just a skosh. Okay. Just a holiday skosh. The male figurine's name is translated literally to the defecator. (laughs) Which makes sense since the porcelain doll, which is the porcelain doll, it's a porcelain doll basically of a knight... I, I, squat I in with I, his pants down and taking a dump. I just had an amazing epiphany. I'll let you continue. <laughs> the exact legend of how this tradition got started is unknown, but the legend has it that farmers would be punished with poor crop harvest, a poor crop harvest, and bad fortune if they didn't include a Kagner within the within their nativity scene. 
<laughs> Today, the tradition continues with Christmas markets selling old school Kagners along all side, along with all versions of other figner, figurines and whatnot. <laughs> is his formal name Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh? It is not. <laughs> it's not. It, I looked it up and I will post a picture of this okay. figurine. There's, of course, there's different versions of it. I'll put it oh, on like Instagram. Of course, there is. It's literally just like a knight with his pants down taking a crap. <laughs> Taken a number two, okay. as the description says. <laughs> yeah, I, it sounded like when you were talking about a a bountiful harvest and whatnot. Like, okay, so it sounds kind of like a, a fertility thing or a harvest thing because that manure is manure is good for, for your crops, right? It, like, that's that's not even a debatable. Well, let's put thing. that out it, there. Animal manure is good for your crops. Is human manure? Uh, no, <laughs> no, seriously, it's the wrong pH. There we go. <laughs> so, so it's maybe not it is poison for their crops if they don't put this out. Well, then, there you go. Perhaps Spain has bountiful crops. I don't know a lot about their farming. Or their well, I would <laughs> assume most of Western Europe seems like pretty mild climate, so uh, they, they probably got a good amount of farming going on over there. I don't doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess now we'll know there's not human feces mixed up with that. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. <laughs> Uh, keeping with Spain, there's another tradition known as Tio de Nadal, Christmas log. <laughs> All right. As my, opposed to the Yule logs? Apparently. My okay. only my only Christmas log usually comes a couple hours after dinner. but uh, After your KFC? Yeah. After my KFC. <laughs> Anytime I have KFC. <laughs> I guess you could call that a Christmas log. I certainly feel better. <laughs> this tradition features a log with legs. Okay. <laughs> and a face. No... Face and a little red hat. So it's almost like Mr. Hanky from South Park. Okay. <laughs> the tradition hails from old Catalan mythology and is introduced in Catalan homes as the feast of the Immaculate Conception every December 8th. The holologue is supposed to look like it's pooping out gifts for the children on Christmas morning. <laughs> uh, if only I was Spanish. <laughs> If only the gods had smiled upon me and made me Spanish so I could incorporate this idea. But nope, had to be Italian. No, and I'm Irish. So so we both I've, lose out on this. I'm, but if I'm, we want to be I miss inclusive, out we, inclusivity is a great thing, and we want to experience different cultures. So children, we're getting a pooping Christmas log. Exactly. I miss out on the Christmas log. <laughs> There's a lot of American traditions, <laughs> but the Christmas log apparently is not one of them. Yes. So we will feast on KFC, <laughs> and the log will poop out your presents. Exactly. This is really turning this holiday season around for me. I want to hear a Christmas song that involves eating fried chicken and a log taking a dump. <laughs> I don't think, as far as I know, that doesn't exist. Yet. Yet. We can write that. Adam Redding from Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover Podcast. It is your job, because I know you're a former musician, currently still writing the occasional tune. This is what we need. (laughs) This is the song that America deserves. It is. It's not what we need. It's what we deserve. I'm going to tag you in the post for this. You need to listen to this podcast all the way through. And this is going to be your inspiration. I want you to put it out on YouTube. It'll be an original from our hearts. <laughs> Straight from the heart. All right, let's burn through these because okay. we are burning through time. Okay, sorry. You, you it, like it, that it, little pun I did? Well, not pun. 
no, association that I did there. Sure, we can do that yeah. too. Okay. <laughs> like I said, three beers and like three hours. There's been decidedly very few puns in this podcast. No, I'm kind of disappointed with All myself. Right. The Yule Cat. The Yule Cat is an Icelandic tradition. Uh, the Yule Cat is a huge and vicious cat from Icelandic folklore that lurks during Christmas time and eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. That seems pretty harsh. Wow. I imagine clothing companies do quite well over there over the holidays. It's the, the poor children who the parents are like, no, you're not getting clothes. No. Enjoy being eaten by a giant cat. Exactly. It began as a threat used by farmers as, again, back to the farming. Yep. Uh, used by farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. So shaving sheep. It's oh <laughs> basically what it comes down to. Wow, the manipulation of the populace. The ones who took part in the work Damn would the be man. exactly the ones who talk, took part in the work would be rewarded with new clothes. But those who did not would those who did not would get nothing but would get nothing. But those would be eaten by monstrous cat. I can't imagine how horrific a Nordic cat must be. There because anything are, that comes out of that region of the world is just horrifying. Holiday traditions around the world seem to be the opposite in extremes. Okay. Super happy, friendly, and giving, or super murderous, and you get eaten. <laughs> in very horrifying ways, I might add. In horrifying ways. Okay. It's... It's crazy. Yeah, either pure happiness or mommy <laughs> help me. So in Italy, Santa Claus is not the highlight come Christmas Eve. No, it's Dominic the Donkey, obviously. Fucking Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> Dropping F bombs on a Christmas special. Thanks. Parachutes are Louis. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You shut your face. You shut your mouth when you talk to me. So Santa Claus is not the highlight in Italy on Christmas Eve. An ugly but kind old witch is known as Bafana, giver of gifts. Okay. And you should know this. You're Italian. Belfana? Yes, Bafana. Yeah, yeah, Belfana. Controls given the gifts. On January 5th, known as the Eve of Epiphany, parents will leave out a plate <laughs> a plate of broccoli with spiced sausage, which I'm always up for some sausage. Uh, it's tasty stuff. That's what, she's, that's what she said. <laughs> that so, was, th- yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally got sidetracked there. So, a plate of broccoli and spiced sausage and a glass of wine, which makes it even better. <laughs> wine and sausage. That's... See, and this is why I never notice it in our house, because, I mean, that's... There's no wine know, and sausage? No, that's just Tuesday <laughs> night. I mean, that's, that's routine. <laughs> Tradition says the good witch, which flies around on her broom, of course, and enters houses through a chimney, not it, unlike Santa. If, if you would like it, we have the book of Old Belfana at the Do house. Do you really? Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that. I, There's a book did on you it? Not? Yeah, it's a children's book. Delivering clothing, toys, candy to all the good children. On mm-hmm. January 6th, children will find treats and toys in their stockings. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to be rude for a moment and look it up uh, on my phone. You shut your pie hole. And this is how we get along as friends. It is. <laughs> this is constant banter between Anthony and I. <laughs> how about Belfana? Okay, yeah. Yeah, by uh, Tommy DePaulo. Okay. I know that means absolutely nothing to it you. It does not, but, but I'll let you continue. Okay. So if I go to... So, I mean... It's all over the place. It's a 4.2 out of 5 on Goodreads, 4 out of 5 um, Barnes and Nobles. And yeah, it's a The Legend of Old. So I'll let online reviews define my interpretation of holiday traditions. Okay. So I'm just going to bring up some some images for you. And this is great for an audio uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like visual (laughs) images for an audio podcast. But just showing Chris. Oh, yeah, there is a book. Yeah. Speaking of which, I totally forgot to mention. Die Hard is so great, they made it a children's Christmas book. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. There's not usually a Christmas movie that's so fantastic and defines the season where it turns into a book. (laughs) Movies are usually based on books. This movie was so great, they based a book on the movie. Yes. The legend of Die Hard has reached the point of children's stories. Although I will gather around, children, we're going to tell the story of John Kane. Wait, I will throw John McCain. McCain. Did you say John McCain? I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) R.I.P. Yes, indeed. McClane. Yes. Okay. I will throw this out there. Apparently, the Die Hard, and this is for one person I know, the Die Hard children's book does not qualify (laughs) as appropriate material for a. Working a contest at work about decorating your office cube. <laughs> but it is fantastic, and I recommend looking up the children's version of Die Hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they turn into it. It's a book for adults, but it's in the style of a children's Christmas book. Let's move on. Okay. We spoke of Die Hard, and we spoke of it well. But did you know that in Wales, mm. the country of Wales, not the mm. animal... Okay. <laughs> People go caroling with dead horse skulls. Badass. It is quite so scary. Metal. Seems like more so of a metal. mix of a Halloween and Christmas thing. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when <laughs> the two seasons get mixed Absolutely. in the department store. That's stores. what happens when you start Christmas three months too early. <laughs> so apparently in Wales, there isn't a particular day for this weird tradition. But from the time of Christmas to late January, the celebration of Mari Lewd, L-W-Y-D. How would you? Okay. I'm going to tell how I'm pronouncing it just for this purpose. Okay. Mari Lewd is supposed to bring good luck. One person will dress as a horse with an actual horse skull and is usually accompanied by a group of people. The group will go to homes, singing carols in exchange for food and drinks. I will happily walk around singing to people if they give me food and drinks. You know, it... Kind of hard to argue. And apparently the tradition is supposed to stem from ancient Celtic rites. I'm Irish. I've never heard of this tradition. That sounds like a Celtic thing. I feel thing. like I should take it up. <laughs> okay. I don't have a horse skull, and I Yet. don't know where to find one. Uh, Halloween Yet. stuff is already sold up, I know. Sorry. It's true. But I I mean, there's always Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon's the best. You can find anything on there. Yeah, really, though. I, I look forward to typing in horse skull and see what I can find. There's, there's no... I have a sister-in-law who does like a huge Halloween haunt every year and I can guarantee you can find whatever you need through Amazon like it does not need to be a seasonal like Halloween even purchase. horse skulls I, I have no doubt like I'm not even gonna bother <laughs> looking this up like it's there trust me it's there all right well, well as far will, as like costumes and we'll props see. and stuff is concerned and I will get back to you at work calling you a SOB if it's not I await the phone call okay <laughs> Even though you're 15 feet away, I will make it by phone. Yes. Yes. Let's wrap up okay. <laughs> existing holiday traditions with one we have to talk about, Krampus. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of dying and being eaten in horrifying manners, the, Krampus. The Krampus is its actually pretty interesting. He's popped up in American culture a lot over the last, last few years. Probably like- decade. Yeah, I was going to say, relatively recently. Is this not like a time-honored tradition it's in a, the U.S.? But, and I, I, in my research, other than watching Die Hard, because <laughs> sometimes I do do research, <laughs> it's a Central European folklore. Krampus, for anyone that doesn't know, Krampus is a horned 
anthropomorphic figure described as half goat, half demon, who during the Christmas season punishes children who have misbehaved. The anti-Santa. Basically. But they, from what I've read, he's basically pals with Santa. Like, he goes around with St. Nicholas. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which makes no sense at all. Does he ride a reindeer, a demonic reindeer? I don't know. From my notes and other stuff I looked up, it's basically Krampus is one of the companions of St. Nicholas in in several regions, mainly Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, Czech Republic, Hungary, and others in, like, Central and Eastern Europe. Does he establish balance in the universe? Probably. (laughs) So is it one of those things where in order to maintain order and balance, basically, for every Santa there must be a Krampus? If... If there's a god, there's a devil. If there's a Santa, there's a Krampus. I, I guess so. That's where we're going. That's so, so, so we declare here on Stories from a Bar. <laughs> I think Krampus is more reasonable than St. Nicholas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought getting coal was bad. <laughs> That's true. American, American misbehaved children get coal. In other countries, apparently, they get taken away by, by a demon goat. They get taken away by Krampus. If he discovers a particularly bad child, he bundles them into a sack and carts them away, Does presumably to goat? eat for a midnight snack. Does he ride a Yule goat? Nobody should. A flaming Yule goat. Oh, they should add that to the... There's, like, all kinds of holiday cards with Krampus and stuff mm-hmm. in, like, Europe and things like that. I haven't seen any in America, <laughs> but I would buy them all, and that those would be my holiday cards for this time of year. But I want to see Krampus on a Yule goat. Are you kidding me? If you saw... Internet, this needs to happen. If you saw a Krampus half-goat, half-demon-horned figure coming at you riding a flaming 40-foot-tall goat made of straw... I need to commission this. <laughs> I need to find some of the contacts on the internet that I've made over the past few years. I need this commission. I want to throw this out there if anyone's going to take you up on that. He is apparently usually depicted as also having one human foot and one cloven hoof. Oh, that's twisted. It is. Yeah, that's nightmare fuel right that, there. That's your uh, nightmare fuel. Absolutely. So on top of the horns, extremely long tongue, scary-looking beard, basically covered in mostly fur, he has one human foot. <laughs> one human foot and one demon foot. And one demon foot. Wow. Which is why he should be riding a 40-foot-tall flaming goat. Yule goat. Yes. <laughs> Suck it, Ghost Rider. <laughs> That's true. It would be better than any Ghost Rider movie that's come out. Yeah. So maybe we can get Marvel in on this. Maybe we can no, pitch this, will be, this, this idea. will be our creation. <laughs> we'll, we need we need backing. <sighs> okay. There was a Krampus movie. I feel like we could. If yeah, they're going to terrible though, I didn't see it, and I feel like there's no need. <laughs> but if they want to write a sequel, I feel like we got some great ideas now. We can make this happen. We can make it happen. Some. <laughs> <laughs> Get Jeff Burns on the line. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Oh. I feel mm. like... Mm. How about Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell. Brandon at full circle, I like it. You like that? Perhaps right? we can get Bruce Campbell and Jeff Goldblum. It'd be the best movie of all time. It'll be certainly the something the, of all time. Certainly best holiday movie of all time. Will it dethrone Die Hard? Do we want to dethrone Die I don't Hard? want to dethrone That's Die Hard, but I want to be up there in the conversation. Okay. <laughs> Part of the conversation, I can I can roll with that. I want to let me put it this way: if I come, if I'm on my deathbed, and I see Die Hard listed as the best Christmas movie, and the second best Christmas movie is something about well, Krampus, this right unholy in, conversation spawned. 
Krampus riding a flaming Yule goat, and somehow Bruce Campbell <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum are the stars, I will have died a happy man. I, yeah. <laughs> this really went sideways. But I feel like the, we're really on to something. The way the best conversations go. This oh. is what happens three beers in. Yeah, it does. The, the way it's supposed to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. But let's talk new holiday traditions. Okay. Because I floated this out there, and I talked to some people. But I, <laughs> ideas they had for new holiday traditions. All right, let's start. I got a few up. responses, but yours was my favorite. <laughs> and it came so, a little too quickly. It, you said this almost immediately <laughs> after I asked you if you had any ideas for new holiday traditions that people should celebrate. Christmas dinner <laughs> is a big tradition. <laughs> Families gather in to celebrate the holiday. People that celebrate Christmas. I'm like half ashamed right now. <laughs> but go on. I will let you take on. I, don't, uh, I really had nothing to go with it, but I just uh, something to the effect. Okay, the best part is this happened at work. <laughs> so I walk up to Anthony. I go, hey, do you have any ideas for what could be a new holiday tradition? I think it would be fun. Ridiculousness does not matter. And what did you come back with? <laughs> ceremonial slapping of the ham. The ceremonial slapping of the ham. <laughs> And I thought about this, and it's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Just someone slapping a ham. But I, a lot of people eat turkey. So does it become the ceremonial slapping of the turkey? The slapping of the dinner meat? The dinner meat. I mean, give it, a, give it a slap for good luck before you throw it in the oven. Good luck for the new year. Kind of like an attaboy for the animal for sacrificing itself for your delicious, delicious dinner. I like that. Wow, this is actually sounding very homey. <laughs> you don't slap the turkey on Thanksgiving, but you slap it on Christmas dinner. A little, little, <laughs> little attaboy before it goes into little the oven. attaboy, <laughs> and good luck for the upcoming year. <laughs> so every year there's a new ceremonial ham slapper. <laughs> who Which gets to slap the ham this Who's, year? Who gets to slap the ham this year? Is it the youngest Which I feel child? like could be... Misconstrued for anyone not in on the tradition. <laughs> Jimmy, did you slap the hand? <laughs> no, Susan did it this year. But what about vegetarians and vegans? They don't have ham or turkeys. I don't know what they eat. <laughs> Slapping of the fish? That would be for the pescatarians. The pescatarians? Yes. The, the, the slapping of the um, vegan stuffing. That Not might the, get messy. It would. I don't know what vegans eat. <laughs> what they they consume the joy of other people. Perhaps you buy a ham ornament and just slap that. Okay. I mean, there's always the the tofurkey. Uh, oh, tofurkey. So the ceremonial slapping of the tofurkey. <laughs> slapping of the salad bowl. <laughs> the slapping of the salad bowl. Not to be confused with the ceremonial tossing of the salad. <sighs> you just took this into. I don't know what you're talking about. You're you're you really brought this podcast down downhill. Anyway. <laughs> My suggestion for new holiday traditions. If anyone that knows the game, well, I'll refer to it as White Elephant. Okay, the White Elephant gift. Sure. But there's mul- multiple people taking, put names in a hat. There's gifts given. You can steal gifts. You get one gift. You buy, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know the best way to describe it, honestly. Well... If okay, you're part of a go. white elephant gift exchange, yes, where you you just randomly buy a gift, people draw names mm-hmm. out of a numbers out of a hat, and you sel- go up and you select a gift. Okay. So, Whatever. the story of the white elephant. 
So we were talking about this before we started recording. And if you don't know why it's called a white elephant gift, this is the story that I heard and that I'm just kind of holding on to. And I'm going to paraphrase the crap out of this because I don't know every detail of it and I don't want to pretend like I do. So this is like the gist of the story. And I believe it takes place in India. Okay. I, To the best of my recollection. So please forgive me if I'm getting the country of origin incorrect. I'll punch him in the face if he gets this wrong. People don't worry. He'll do it too. I will. And so the story goes in India, I think. Some stuff goes down and the gist of the story is that a peasant comes to the aid of a member of nobility. And the member of nobility is super thankful that this one peasant was able to help them out in this like dire need, whatever the situation was, and wants to show his appreciation for the, the peasant folk. So as a gift, this member of nobility gifts the peasant a white elephant, which is very rare, and it's a very sought-after boon. It's you know, the whole good luck thing and everything. It, it's a rare elephant. It's a huge, expensive gift. And the peasant is very thankful. Like, wow, I can't believe I received such a prized and honored gift from this member of nobility. The peasant brings it home. And now he's got a giant white elephant in his yard. And he's like, what the heck do I do with this thing? <laughs> And I'm sure other stuff happens, but the gist of the whole white elephant is that you give someone a gift, but it's more trouble than it's actually worth. That seems appropriate. So the idea of the white elephant gift in modern times isn't so much giving someone a gift that is more effort than a sort of like, suppose you give someone, for sake of conversation, You're giving a someone a responsibility? Well, say, say I give you a boat. I will never give you an actual boat. Let's just make that clear. I hate you. Well, you know, I love you too. And <laughs> I give you this boat. Well, I've always heard like, about boats. The best day of owning a boat is the day you buy one and then the day you sell one. Well, exactly. So suppose you're living in an apartment. You now have a boat. What the hell do you do with the thing? <laughs> or, you know, my wife and I, we do have a house, but we don't have enough room on our property for a boat. You know, what, what do you do with that thing? Now it's more trouble than it's worth. But in modern times, from what I understand it, is the white elephant gift is more like a gag gift where you know the person isn't going to appreciate it, but the the gift is the the experience and the moment where they open this thing up and they look at it and go, oh, you son of a bitch. The faked joy. Yes. If you will. So my tradition revolves around getting the worst present in that scenario and being able to punch the person in the face that bought the worst <laughs> present in that scenario. Uh, but see, that would discourage the white elephant. And the white elephant gift I feel like that so would make the people fun. involved work harder to find a good <laughs> gift for whatever price tag they're given. You know, I, I enjoy the white elephant because it's always an add-on. And you really shouldn't be spending much money for your white elephant gift. But I have done the white elephant gift on several occasions, particularly in previous office grab bags. Yep. Uh, there is a store locally called Tada. And they have this one section where they just have disgusting candies. Where there's, like, peanut butter powdered crickets. And, <laughs> like... 
yeah, other insects inside of like a good Christmas snack than an insect. Yeah, they're like or like green mint flavored like candied boogers or something like that. And I just went to that section. I just put like one box of everything into this bag and totaled up to like fifteen dollars or something like that. I'm like, this is going to be my white elephant gift for the office grab bag. So the person who opens it up, they're like, oh god, oh god, oh god. Let's. All right. Those. That was all I had. Okay. <laughs> but let's wrap this up with a few viewer suggestions. As I got one from Aaron Sturdivant. As dirty, sturdy. Dirty, sturdy. Is that, is that what you call it? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. That's I, a long time nickname. Dirty, sturdy. Dirty, sturdy. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so he, he does too. <laughs> I threw that. I threw the question out there. What's a good holiday tradition? And he, he just responded with talking about how much you two love me. <laughs> oh, Aaron. <laughs> Which I've met him once, <laughs> and he, Aaron, you're a cool guy. That's all I got. Oh. I can't take that. Much. Oh, Aaron, can't take that much farther. Aaron Sturdivant. Aaron Sturdivant, <laughs> horror of the podcast, horror with Sir with Sturdy, Sir Sturdy, of course. There you go. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Aaron, if Krampus was coming after me, I would seek refuge in your embrace. <laughs> Sure, why not? May you be the warmth of... I forgot where I was going with this, but Aaron, it's... Uh, if I go any farther, it's going to get really inappropriate. It's going to get X-rated, and this is not the time for that, this is this not is a holiday special. <laughs> Better than the Star Wars special. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And my other listener response comes from Mike Townsend, who, of course, has been on the podcast. <laughs> and ha- apparently... Has a dirty mind. Oh dear. The the upper decked Yule log. <laughs> so he took the Yule log and took it to a new level. Physically. Not not sure if I'm going to be celebrating this one. You can't really light it on fire. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know how you. And if anyone that doesn't know what the upper decker is. Uh, we. <laughs> no, we were doing so good. We were, he really brought this to potty humor. Where you where you where you're leaving your after Christmas dinner log in the upper part of one's toilet. It's the upper deck Yule log. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how you make it a Yule log in that scenario. <laughs> sprinkle some nutmeg in there. So we could start with that. Put some mistletoe in there. You can't really. How do you hang mistletoe from the inside the tank of a toilet? <laughs> You eat the mistletoe first. Oh, eat the mistletoe first and then leave the upper decker. Indeed. It's got <laughs> like it's like Christmas corn. <laughs> yeah, you like that? All right. <laughs> that was fantastic. So we <laughs> mistletoe and holly berries. <laughs> so for anyone looking to leave an upper deck to you walk, eat some mistletoe. Eat some nutmeg. I do not endorse that idea in the least. I've, I fully endorse it. Get Anthony to invite you to his house and don't tell him why. Okay. Oh, okay. Do you have a toilet with a tank on the back? I assume we do. do. Yes. No, that's not happening. <laughs> May I come over for New Year's? Uh, not anymore. <laughs> Probably should have asked before we went into that. Uh, surprise! <laughs> It's a good way to start off 2019. <laughs> the Happy New Year, Nula. The Happy New Year log. 
All right. All right. I'm out of beer, and it's time to wrap this up. Indeed. <laughs> so that's going to do it for the holiday edition of the Stories from a Bar Christmas Spectacular. Anthony, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been a blast, as always. We've been hanging out. Having some drinks and some holiday stories here at the Old English Pub right in Albany, New York. Be sure to check out the Old English if you're looking for a nice homey place to have some drinks. It is. It's very nice. It's great. Especially if you hear this before the holiday season is over. It's got a great feeling to it. Just a great vibe overall. Like I said, there's... Uh, everything's in the dark woods. It's very pub-ish, and there are just ornaments all over, like plastered on the ceiling. And I and I mean that in like, a very the loving pickle. way. Yes, downstairs. downstairs. The Christmas the pickle. The Christmas pickle is downstairs. <laughs> so a big thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. A big thank you to the Old English Pub. Be sure to stop by for some great beers and food. You can find stories from a bar on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at Stories FAB, Stories Fab. You'll find the show on iTunes, Podbeam, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, the usual suspects where you'll find a podcast. And be sure to sus- be sure to subscribe. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with that Probably word. Has nothing to do with the multiple beers that you have. Not at all. Be sure to <laughs> be sure to subscribe. And even more importantly, leave a fi- the five-star review, whatever, however it's calculated, and spread the word. So until next time, happy holidays, happy new year, and cheers. 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 cheers.